Mama, what's a podcast? Well, it's when a group of men love their opinions very much. Welcome to Feminists Talk Religion, where feminist voice, religion talk, and honest conversation intersect. In this season, season three of Feminists Talk Religion, we are taking a break from our traditional format. This season, we will provide two mini-series about two topics we think are really important. Elise Ambrose is helping us think about art in the Feminism, Religion, and Art mini-series. And Susan Wooliver is helping us think about mental health in her Feminism, Religion, and Mental Health mini-series. We hope you enjoy. I am Elise Ambrose. I am a Black queer ethicist, educator, and creative. Today's episode features Isabel Marish. Isabel Marish is a Romanian-American creative working at the intersection of faith, community, and art. She serves over 170 Jewish community centers across North America in the areas of cultural arts and civic dialogue. Marish holds her Master's in Theology and the Arts from Union Theological Seminary, where she explored social justice and the Hebrew Bible. Marish studied classical voice at Manhattan School of Music before merging her passions for the arts, community engagement, religion, and storytelling. Marish identifies as a femme queer, disabled person and lives in Brooklyn, New York with her feline, canine, and human loves, Pluto, Potato, and Danny. Let's get started. We are so pleased to welcome you, Isabel Marish, you creative who are working at the intersections of faith, community, and art, you artist who just opens hearts and opens minds and opens doors. I'm just so grateful to have you here and to welcome you into this space of talking feminism, religion, and art. Welcome to you, Isabel. Thank you. I am so happy to be here with you and talking about some of my favorite things. Good. Well, tell me this, just as a as an opening question, what color do you feel like today? And tell me why. I love this question. Um, it's one of my favorite check-in questions. And honestly, I think I make a point every day of my life to be some shade of green. <laughs> Um, I love green because you c- it can kind of fill in for so many of the human emotions. And today, I'm the kind of green that's like pond green. Um, if you think of like no mud, no lotus, I'm kind of like a muddy green where things can be murky. Some things might be hidden, but things are still growing in the green that I am. Um, and, you know, I think that I think I can feel myself getting a little bit brighter every day as the summer is as I'm leaning into the summer. But yeah, I'm definitely some shade of green today. Yes, I'm into it and I'm wearing green so, <laughs> and also in a green room. So I'm glad that we're on the same page. Yeah. And I've got a green lamp over here, like more green. It's all aligning. It's all aligning. And you know, your description of your color for the day just really speaks to, I think, 
a depth that I find um, not only in like say your work, but I think in uh, your way of being. So we discussed how in your artistic practice, you like to weave song and um, spiritual practices together um, for people who of all beliefs. So I'm wondering, can you speak to the pull within you or the experiences uh, that have led you to this integration, that type of integration of art and spiritual practice with a commitment to accessibility? Mm. Um, another tremendous question. Uh, and I feel like it actually, you know, I feel like my whole life story lives in the answer to that question. And I will do my best to, you know, abbreviate it. <laughs> <laughs> and explain it. Um, but I think I think I'll start first with why accessible, um, why it why my work is nothing without being accessible. Um, so I have a neurolog or neurological disorder called Charcot Marie Tooth disease, named after a bunch of white guys who discovered it in the 1800s. Um, and now I'm branded with their names. <laughs> um, and I've had uh, several reconstructive surgeries on my feet and legs over the course of my life. And so I've navigated many different levels of ability and mobility myself. Um, so while I am bipedal and like I can walk on both my feet and legs now and I pass as able-bodied, I have had to walk with leg braces um, as a young person, as a kid, um, and during my pubescent years, I had to navigate being in a wheelchair and was put back in a wheelchair during, um, you know, my early 20s, actually, when I was getting surgery again to help me walk better. So I have the lived experience of being differently abled and knowing that I have a progressive neurological disorder. So I may not always be as mobile as I am now in the ways that I am now. Um, and I suffer from chronic pain um, because this is a, you know, it's a nerve disease that affects the muscles and joints um, of what they call the peripheral nerves, which are in the hands and the feet, but usually what affects the feet, you know, can ripple up. So I'm very aware of, um, of disability and inclusion from my lived experience. Um, and I think it just, that actually brought me to spiritual practices um, and my relationship to religion and spirituality. Um, I mean, I think art and spirituality have been two core ways in which I have dealt with being different. And then also even, even more so how I've dealt with being different but not being recognizably different. Um, I think when you go from not being able to walk um, to then passing as able-bodied does a lot to a person um, when you have such a deep shift mm -hmm. um, and when you recognize as a young person that your status in society actually rests on, on that like um, two ways in which I really dealt with and expressed how I felt um, about being differently abled uh, were music uh, and spirituality so and I didn't think those two things could be braided together until I was much older um, in my mid to late 20s I mean much older considering that I'm now almost 31 yes. um, but so essentially I 
brought my lived experience. I was healing myself through, um, you know, my music. Um, I'm a classically trained singer, but I didn't want to go into opera pretty early on. I realized, Ooh, that's, that's not the modality for me. Um, and then I quickly, you know, was trying to find myself after training in classical voice for years. And, uh, I found myself taking liberal arts electives at Hunter College in New York, which is my home city, never left it. Um, and finding myself taking religion courses and being just absolutely so obsessed with all different faiths um, and ways in which people liberate themselves and heal themselves through spiritual practices. And I, I, I identify as an agnostic. Um, so I, I'm very respectful and reverent of all faiths and yet don't uh, subscribe to one. Um, and I think that art, um, you know, as I weave it into the practices that, you know, I have and, you know, the, the workshops that I do, I'm always very careful to make sure that I'm not appropriating, um, that it, that the spaces are accessible, that there are multiple entry points, um, that they are welcoming, and that I always name my own personal context so that people know where I'm coming from and why I do the things that I do, because without that, you can, you can accidentally, um, you know, harm others. So I'm always very careful to say like, this is my lived experience. Um, and it's also a really great way to open people up to sharing theirs in those spaces. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's, certainly a part of feminist praxis to be, um, you know, to, to invite others to um, uh, understand another's lived experience and to create, to work, to, to live very fully from that place of this is my lived experience and this is how I think theology, this is how I think or don't think theology, this is the way that I think accessibility, these are the ways that I think. Um, even healing, right? I'm hearing this, this through line and what you're talking about um, about healing and healing through music, healing through art and spirituality in the, in the various ways you practice it. But also uh, we've shared on other occasions about your commitments to eco-theology. So I'm feeling like even a healing with the earth and, and sort of a, um, a healing circle in which every, every, all that is is invited. And that just makes me, makes me feel very Isabel. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, wanna, I want to also add um, something else that is inextricable is the fact that I'm also queer. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and I won't go too much into that, but I'll say that that gets brought to the table as well. Mm -hmm. And why eco-theology? Why take the extra step from my fascination with the way human beings connect with each other and divinity, and then take it one step further and be about the environment? Mm -hmm. um, for me, uh, they are all interconnected, right? You know, if divinity is in us and in our relationships, is it, isn't it not in everything else in our environment? Um, and also I think that disability gets brought up again because as we are in the Anthropocene age, um, the time in which humans have had such dramatic impact on the planet, um, in many ways irreversible, you know, as things were done to my body and my body was changed, I couldn't help but think about, you know, the earth body and the ways in which 
she, it, uh, they, all power has been inextricably changed. Um, and so, and I also found a lot of refuge in nature as I think many human beings do um, when the human world was not making sense. <laughs> like wasn't making sense, wasn't feeling good. And so, and, and having a relationship with the earth as parent, as friend, as lover, I think that I've found access points different ways. Um, and so for me, there it's all connected. Um, and I also think that because most people can find some sort of connection to nature, it makes actually spiritual practices more accessible, especially for people who don't who don't identify as a particular with a particular religion, but can say, I feel healed when I go into the ocean. Um, or this flower feels like me today. Like those are easy access points for somebody to start having really important deep conversations um, with divinity as it works for them. Um, yes. Because I think a lot of people aren't sure about the big G word, the God word, but are sure that there's something more than what's in this human realm, human designed realm. And uh, everybody deserves access to it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for that description and for, you know, as you speak, I'm thinking to myself, there's a way in which we can practice, you know, music and healing for ourselves, spiritual healing for ourselves and, um, or for our families. And, and that makes sense. And, and all these things like that, um, or in, in church communities or other sorts of constructed communities that help us to feel like, okay, we're all in pursuit of a similar thing here or, or and, what I hear you inviting us to, even as you as you occupy the space of agnostic and as you find healing, I think in various places or even invite others to discover healing in various places, I'm curious to know what is it that um, maybe, I don't wanna say just the ends you may be seeking as you locate yourself at this intersection of feminist artists and spiritually attuned person, but, um, also, maybe the processes or the means that you have in mind when you um, when you do this work, not only for yourself, but for for other people and with other people in mind. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And I'm a process oriented person and um, I'm married to an art therapist who always says uh, process over product. Um, and I believe that, too. I think it's I think you're right to say that the end, it, it, when when dealing with uh, God, divinity, liberation, even environmentalism, it's very hard to say like, this is the end. This is where I would like us to end up. Um, but I definitely, I definitely feel like the driver, uh, the current is ancestral healing. Um, I think that when you, I mean, you need to heal yourself from what has happened in your lifetime, but undoubtedly, I mean, if you've ever been a member of any sort of familial or community unit, um, you understand that there are historic contexts that we are all um, being 
affected by consistently. I also do believe that things are passed on through genetics. Um, and I have even thought about my neurological disorder as perhaps something that could be, you know, part of my ancestral healing journey. And that's not to say I want to be cured of it, but I want my relationship to it to be different, if that makes sense. Um, so I think the, the driver is to heal and understand that time is not linear. Like, so whatever work we're doing now, it's for the past and for the future simultaneously as for the present. And I know that can be pretty meta and that's a lot to chew on, but I do believe I'll, I'll, I'll put it in more simplified format, which is if you go to therapy and you heal from things that maybe your elders have said to you and you model that you can get better and maybe be different than what has been modeled to you your whole life. I have seen this in my personal experience and in others' experiences that it can have lasting effects on the elders and the other community members just by showing the example of you wanting to heal yourself. It doesn't involve them until they see the finished product of the work you did, but then it benefits everybody who's in relationship to the person who did the work. Um, and that's not to say that every relationship needs to be healed, but some are worth the work. <laughs> Sure. And so ancestral healing, I think, is the braid for the feminism, the art, and the spirituality all coming together. Yes. Well, thank you for that vision that you offer us of ancestral healing um, through your work and through your ways of being. And thank you for sharing so vulnerably and, and beautifully with this podcast. We really appreciate you being with us. Thank you for having me and asking me these wonderful questions that are going to be carried with me through the rest of my day and my week. And um, lots of love to everybody listening. Yes, thank you. I'm glad to hear. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Feminists Talk Religion.